Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Milwaukee Bucks fans. Welcome to the Bucks and Six podcast. My name is Stephen Dorf, and alongside me, as always, my co-host Hershey Winkleman. You can check us out on social media. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Bucks and Six FFSN. And unfortunately, we are no longer on Facebook due to us actually being banned. So, uh, if you got our podcast links, you know, through Facebook groups and whatnot, uh, we're still going to be doing that. It's just going to be through our personal Facebook. So, Stephen Dorf, Hershey Winkleman. Uh, uh, and it'll be in the same Bucks groups like it always was, just through our actual personal uh, Facebook accounts. Um, so let's get into the uh, podcast today. Hirsch and I wanted to try out a new series uh, where we cover, you know, the predictions for every team going into the 23-24 season. Uh, but instead of doing it by conference, you know, where it would be a more broad kind of talk, you know, skim through each team, we're going to do it by uh, division. So we're going to start with the... Atlantic division, you know, that's the Celtics, the Sixers, the Knicks, the Nets, and the Raptors. We're basically just going to go through all five of those teams, talk about, you know, what they did last year, what they did in the offseason, and how, you know, how that might impact what they're going to be or what they're going to look like going into this upcoming season. Um, Yeah. So, with that being said, Hirsch, get us uh, started off with our first team in the Atlantic division. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna get it started with the division winners from last season, the Boston Celtics, who you know a lot of people would say would predict to win the division again this coming season. Um, they went fifty-seven and twenty-five last year, but they had a lot of off-season moves and a lot of buzz surrounding their team. Um, you know, one year one year with Joe Missoula and the Bucks. And, you know, they went they went to the conference finals. You know, they had a they had a decent playoff run, you know lost to the heat but you know they decided that that wasn't enough that they didn't have you know necessarily the pieces so they ended up trading you know Marcus Smart for Kristaps Porzingis getting that you know versatile big man that can you know play defense stretch the floor um and then you know during that time they almost traded Malcolm Brogdon to the Clippers but he was having injury problems and wasn't able to you know be traded you know could that possibly uh, caused some chemistry issues with him knowing that, you know, he would have been off the team had he been healthy. And now that he's, you know, still on the team and he's got to just like kind of coexist with the guys they have there. Um, but yeah, they're really going diving headfirst into the Derek White at point guard, you know, sweepstakes over there with, you know, Porzingis. I think a lot of it matters on, you know, whether he can stay healthy if they want to have, uh, have a like good success. Um, and then obviously, you know, 
I think the biggest news of their of their offseason was, you know, signing Jalen Brown to the largest contract of all time for a player. Um, you know, a lot of people didn't know if that was necessarily going to happen. You know, he's been in trade rumors a lot recently uh, for, you know, all-stars like Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant, guys like that. So, you know, them locking him up long-term was, I think, a huge move for them and one of the biggest things, you know, for the Celtics to happen in the offseason. But, yeah, what are your, what are your thoughts kind of going into next year on, on, uh, on Boston? Yeah, no, Boston. So I, I really think that Marcus Smart, that Marcus Smart trade is going to, kind of haunt them more than you know people realize i think some people you know do have that stance on it where they are saying you know marcus smart was like you know the core the soul of that team uh he's he was drafted to boston he's played with them through their ups and downs he you know he was there in the Kyrie saga he was there when tatum and jalen brown got drafted so he's he's just been like the leader of that team for so long and to kind of just trade him like that and i, I mean we don't know if you know jalen brown and jason tatum were notified about this stuff but like it just seemed like they just got their soul kind of snatched from them out of nowhere. And I get Chris Stapps Porzingis, you know, in theory is this great player. He's a seven, four big who can stretch the floor, but the, the, what Marcus smart brought, you know, to that team from like, to like a mental, like on a mentality level, it's, it's just, I don't know if you can replace that. So I think that is going to be, you know, we're going to notice that this year, especially right out of the gate. I think, you know, they might have some, just issues, you know, finding out that figuring out that identity without Marcus Smart. I mean, he was a defensive player of the year, you know, known to be a top three defensive guard in the league. And I just losing that is going to be really big for them, but it is cool. You know, it's exciting to see what, you know, a Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Chris Stapps, Porzingis team is going to look like though. I mean, again, it's just like the NBA who you just, you never would even imagine these types of uh, combinations of players on teams anymore, but should be pretty exciting. Uh, I think there's a lot of risk, though. I think Missoula, you know, it's, it's, let's see if Missoula is actually the real deal at coach. I know Hirsch and I aren't, we weren't the biggest fans of him, especially, you know, during the playoffs. I think that he has a lot to prove this year. Uh, and yeah, I, I think that, you know, with the Celtics, they're looking at a similar situation where they're going to be a top three, top four seed in the East. Uh, and they have championship aspirations. They have the championship potential on their roster. They have all the talent. It's just a matter of putting it together. Can Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown as a duo take them over the hump? Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, the real question is like whether or not Chris S. Porzingis can stay healthy. And then the secondary question to that would be if he is healthy, is that still enough to move the needle in a very competitive Eastern conference? And then let's say you're up against, you know, one of the juggernauts in the West as well. Like it's tough to get over that hump. And even, you know, the, the Celtics team has experienced that, you know, facing that Warriors team a couple of years ago and, and losing to them when they, when it looked like they had, you know, that series in hand and they had control of it at the, at the beginning, the Warriors, you know, with that pedigree, with that experience kind of flipped the script on them. And so I think, you know, the big, the big question is, 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 Chris Depp's Porzingis enough to move the needle to push them over the top. And I think that's the biggest question with them. Uh, but we can, I mean, unless you have anything else, we can move on to the Sixers. I mean, yeah, I think that about covers it. I think like just overall my concerns, you know, with the Celtics have always been, and it's, you know, similar to the Clippers. It's that you, I, I don't necessarily love when your two best players essentially, you know, play the same position or, you know, dominate in the same area of the game like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. I, I don't know if that is a true winning combination. 
Uh, so I think that's, you know, that's something we're going to have to see. Can these two guys make it work? And if, you know, Chris Stapps Porzingis really is the guy to move the needle, you know, just enough for them to ultimately win a championship because they have been really close. But yeah, that's basically all I have really to say on the Celtics. I think it's time to move on to the 76ers. They finished in third in the Eastern Conference last year. They have the reigning MVP in Joel Embiid. They lost in the second round to the Celtics, the team we just talked about, in the second round of the playoffs when they actually looked like they had, you know, they had them in the chokehold. They had them up. Uh, they had they were up 3-2 going into game six, and then they lose two straight. And, you know, that's where all these concerns blah 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 with the uh Sixers now with James Harden you know he what's what's the deal with him where's he gonna be is he gonna be in China is he gonna be playing with the Sixers is he gonna be on a different team in the NBA who knows there's a lot of questions with that and you know his issues with Daryl Morey uh and that could also ultimately lead to the 76ers trading and beat Hershey right like We've seen this happen a lot recently with disgruntled superstars requesting trades when it doesn't work out. Embiid has, you know, put his best efforts into, you know, trying to carry this team. I understand he's himself. He has had some poor playoff performances, but he's done ultimately as much as he can to carry the 76ers team through, you know, whatever, you know, the trust, the process and, if, if, you know, the James, if they get, if they lose James Harden, they don't get anything for him, Hirsch. I mean, where does that leave the 76ers going into this next season? Yeah, you know, I think they're in a really tough spot. And when you look at what's going on with James Harden, I think that, you know, it's a slippery slope to Joel Embiid requesting out. I think that's already pretty much written in the cards that Joel is not going to finish his season or his career on in Philadelphia. Um, especially if, you know, James Harden leaves and they get, you know, little to no compensation for him or he decides he's going to sit out, not report to training camp, you know. And even if he does, we've seen him with do this with the Rockets where he comes in at really out of shape, you know, not not really able to provide the team with his best effort, you know, not playing good basketball to begin the season. And that's when the Rockets traded him, I believe, 13 games into the season. Uh, a couple of years ago to the Nets where he he then turned his entire season around because he was motivated. So I think it's all about motivation for James Harden. He, he seems extremely unmotivated to play for this team. In fact, I don't know if he'd ever going to play for this team again. Um, So, you know, what they do with him, I think is the main factor to where this team goes next year. I think a team of Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid simply is just not enough to really make any noise in a, in a super competitive Eastern Conference with the Bucs, the Celtics, and the Heat, uh, and the Cavaliers, who are, you know, kind of on the rise in the in the conference, the Sixers would be in, in serious, serious trouble if James Harden leaves for almost nothing. They're going to have to figure out a way to get some compensation for them. I know, I know, you know, the Clippers had a deal on the table with maybe like Robert Covington and Norman Powell. You know, you might say that's an underpay for a guy like James Harden, who's like an all-star caliber, like Hall of Fame level player, but... You know, at this point, Norman Powell wouldn't be a bad consolation prize for a guy who, you know, is contemplating going to tour in China. Yeah, and I well, I think with Harden, right? Like, do you think that this like this relationship between the 76ers and James Harden is completely broken to the point where it's it's beyond repair? Yeah, I would argue, yeah. I would say he's not he yeah. can't so, play for them. Yeah. And if everyone knows that, if the league knows that, 
are the 76ers really going to be able to get compensated for a guy who everyone knows that he doesn't want to be there. He's completely unmotivated to play. And, you know, for the past two, three teams he's been on has, whenever he goes out, it's ugly. It's an ugly, it's an ugly exit. So uh, that's concerning for other teams to even, you know, invest in James Harden. Like, yeah, the upside is great. You're getting a guy who was a former MVP winner, a guy who can lead the league in assists. Right. But you're also getting a guy who has a lot of, you know, turmoil and just a lot of off the field or off the court drama. So that's kind of where the Sixers are at right now. And what are they going to do with uh, James Harden in this upcoming season? I think that kind of really, really answers a lot of questions for them and where they're going to be at, you know, for the legitimate future of Joel Embiid and the 76ers as a whole. Yeah, and I would just I would just mention that like I think the Clippers, you know, would have some incentive to trade for James Harden. And obviously, you know, the way the NBA works, you have to make the money match. So you're you would have to give up, you know, like a decent player that's making like 15, 20 million dollars, which is that Norman Powell contract. So I can you know, I could see that trade going through, especially for the Clippers, who I mean, like you mentioned, they've got guys like Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Russell Westbrook, all like veteran guys that are, you know, kind of on their last like run to the chip. You know, getting another guy like that and kind of just putting all your eggs in that, you know, like win now basket. It's not not a bad idea for a team like uh, Los Angeles. But yeah, well, even, you know, even with even with the Clippers extending Russ and, you know, Tyron Lou saying, you know, how much Russ really helped them, you know, in the final stretches of the season and in the playoffs, even though they lost, they were still competitive. Russ looked, you know, a lot more like old Russ than Lakers Russ. And that was uh, without Kawhi and Paul George. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Russ still has, I mean, so we know Russ still has something left in the tank to give. And he is a guy who is very ball dominant. That's what he's kind of been known for his entire career. Like if, if they do go out and trade for James Harden, if that's something the Clippers are interested in, is that something you see the Clippers really even being able to make work and seriously being able to entertain well, I mean, James Harden and Russell Westbrook have played together on two different teams prior to, you know, if they were to play here. Uh, they played on the Rockets together where they made that work. They were the sixth seed and almost beat the Thunder in the first round of the playoffs. But that, but that was more shooting guard, James Harden. Yes, he's still, you know, ball dominant, whatever. But we've seen James Harden completely just transition his game into a facilitator, right? He Yeah, but that, but that also shows that he's able to, like, adapt his game pretty quickly. So, like, if he needs to, like – change his game and go back to you know that like playing off the ball guy like the shooter like I guarantee you James Harden's the kind of guy where if you gave him let's say 15 to 20 shots a game where he doesn't have to you know have the ball the entire time and he can literally just take whatever shots he wants he would be content with that especially in that role being the third guy because Russ could still be the facilitator on that team and especially with guys like Kawhi and Paul George who you know are not going to play the whole year like you're just not you need other guys that are going to be able to shoulder the load James can shoulder the load on offense, both scoring wise and facilitating wise. And we've well, seen well, him work well. I mean, but, but yeah, but that just comes down to, I mean, you just said, you know, if you're not expecting those guys to play and I know we're, you know, we got to stick with the Atlantic division. So we'll wrap up that really quick, but you know, if you have guys who aren't going to play like Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and then we've seen James Harden and Russell Westbrook be good together, but not good enough to win a championship. And then you add in the dynamic of these guys playing, coming in, coming back, getting hurt, whatever. 
it just seems like a, a lost cause to me with with that. I, I think that I mean, I, I agree. It definitely would be like a shot in the dark. And I wouldn't consider them like the go to number one contender in the West. But I just think it would give them maybe more of a chance to win a championship with a guy like James Harden than it would be for a guy like with Norman Powell. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you just I mean, the Sixers really need to, to pray and hope that that the the uh, Clippers front office, you know, thinks even slightly like you right now and is willing to take the chance on a guy like James Harden right now with everything that's gone on in the past three, four years with him. So we'll see. I'm I mean, I'm I'm really, really intrigued to see where James Harden ends up playing. Uh, I mean, I think with that, it will I mean, it's just again, it's a really big wait and see type of thing with him. Uh, I don't think anybody's really going to be able to predict where he's going to go. It's just going to happen one day and then boom, we everyone moves on. I, I that's how I think it's going to go. Um, but yeah, let's uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with the uh, remaining three teams in the division. So, my name is Steven Dorf, that's Hershey Winkleman, and you're listening to the Bucks and Six podcast. And we're back on the Box and Six podcast. My name is, Steve, uh, is Hershey Winkleman. He's Stephen Dorf. And we're back uh, to round out the rest of uh, the Eastern Conference's Atlantic Division. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna start off with the you know the third place team from last season, the New York Knicks, who went forty seven thirty five. They were fifth in the conference last year. Uh, they won their first round playoff series against the Cavaliers as you know the lower seed, which was pretty impressive. Uh, but then they lost to you know the Heat, who ended up making the finals. On that, you know, legendary run, um, you know, they really built their team around, you know, that core of Jalen Bronson, Julius Randle and RJ Barrett last year uh, with some shades of, you know, Mitchell Robinson mixed in there. Uh, but they, you know, they they had a they had a decent offseason. You know, they signed a couple of a couple of guys like Dante DiVincenzo. You know, they re-signed Josh Hart, who was really good for them at the second half of the year after they got him from. Uh, Portland at the deadline. And then, you know, they traded Obi top into the Pacers. He was kind of. Kind of a lost cause there. He didn't really have a role on the team. Kind of a bench guy. Never really had, you know, that much of a role. So getting him off the team, you know, that might just open up some minutes for some of the other guys. But, yeah, the Knicks, you know, overall pretty solid offseason. Um, I don't really see necessarily a huge jump from them coming into next year, but I also don't really see them falling off. I can see them staying pretty consistent around, you know, that 48, 47, 46 wins, uh, possibly even 50 win season out of them. But, I think that would be a bit of a stretch unless they have a huge jump from a guy like RJ Barrett. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, with a team like the Knicks, they're always going to be in the, you know, in the rumor, the rumor mill with guys like Joel Embiid, Giannis, we just talked about the potential or, you know, the potential possibility of someone like Joel Embiid being, you know, dealt to another team. If, you know, the James Harden uh, situation goes downhill. So the Knicks are always in those rumors with big name players like that. Uh, How often do they actually acquire them? Uh, since Carmelo Anthony, it hasn't. But again, it's New York, and they're always going to be a threat for those top players. And if they were to add, you know, someone like that and be able to keep Jalen Brunson and potentially Julius Randle, that could be a serious, serious threat in the Eastern Conference, as well as just the M- you know the NBA as a whole, just to be a legitimate championship contender. So that's always interesting with the Knicks. Uh, another thing with them, right. They had Jalen Brunson last year, who was like their breakout star, uh, two, three years ago, we saw a very similar thing with Julius Randall get traded or signed. I, I don't forget if it was a trade or a sign, but he, he gets, uh, he plays on the Knicks for a year and is all of a sudden 
you know, an all-star caliber player. And then the year after he, you know, regresses back to planet earth a little bit. Is that a possibility for someone like Jalen Brunson to show a little bit regression? You know, we all remember him for what he did in the playoffs. He was electric, you know, putting up like 24, 25 a night. So is there any chance, Hirsch, that we see a slight Jalen Brunson regression, you know, and if that is the case, the Knicks as a whole regress, you know, to maybe uh, even first round advantage, uh, first home court advantage in the first round? Yeah, I mean, you know, with the way Tom Thibodeau coaches, I think that's always a possibility, especially, you know, with just the overt amount of minutes that he gives to his starters. I think, you know, any like that's that might be the cause of why, you know, some of his players have done that in the past. And that and that's been a pattern with him, you know, even going back to his Timberwolves and Bulls days where, you know, some guys would have a great year and then regress because they get, you know, they're just out of juice. They're out of gas. They don't have enough energy in the tank to play, you know, 35, 36 40 minutes in a night you know they just they just don't, they don't have that those longs to do that and Tom Thibodeau really likes playing his best players the most amount of minutes he possibly can uh to get the most amount of wins which is you know like a it's it's a definitely a philosophy it's one you can definitely you know have and Tom Thibodeau has been a pretty successful coach over the years but it's just a matter of you know are the guys going to be able to stay healthy? Are they going to be able to have the conditioning, you know, and be able to, you know, be productive for a long amount of minutes per game over a long period of games? I mean, it's a long season. So these guys are, you know, they get fatigued, they get wear, they get worn down over, you know, months at a time of playing, you know, 28, 30, 45 minutes, you know, like the, the, it's just, it's just tough, even for their bench guys. I mean, some of those guys will come off the bench and play 25, 27 minutes off the bench. You know, so it's like it's just tough with a guy like Tom Thibodeau and his coaching style. I think, you know, that's kind of what you get with him. You get him going for every possible win, but you also get, you know, some of your guys running out of gas. Mm -hmm. And let's just say, you know, Coach uh, Coach Tibbs philosophy, you know, let's just say that doesn't impact, you know, Jalen Brunson's overall regression or progression. You know, he's still Jalen Brunson from last year. Uh, I personally, like if the Knicks don't make a trade for a guy like Joel Embiid, you know, one of those like true, true number one superstars, I don't know if I really see the Knicks making any serious noise in the East. Like if it's the relatively the same group as they had last year, I mean, they, they beat the Cavs in seven games, but I think if, you know, we go into this upcoming season and they play again in the playoff, I think the Cavs, you know, they are a young team. Those guys are going to get better, you know, just, you know, through experience. Whereas the Knicks are a bunch of guys who are really solid, but they're relatively at their peak and you know what they are. I think that with the Knicks, it's they've kind of plateaued with what they have right now. They really do need to make a, a big move for a big name player and you ride with that. Otherwise... I just kind of see another incoming four seed, five seed, six seed, even type of season for them. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of what I have with the Knicks going into the next season. Let's move on to the other New York, the other, the, the new, uh, Brooklyn team, New York, uh, Brooklyn Nets. Uh, um, they last year were 50, 45 and 37. They matched up against the Sixers in the first round of the playoffs. They lost and they got swept. Um, some people like to, they said it was a competitive sweep. I don't know if I quite understand what that means, but they lost four games to the the Sixers last year. They went, you know, they're kind of coming off of the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden saga. Uh, and they found Mikal Bridges, their diamond in the rough. 
He was phenomenal for them last year. Hirsch is like, is the Nets a team that you're excited about going into next year? Yeah, you know, they're definitely, they've definitely got some pieces, but, you know, I think they're going to struggle to, you know, be that, you know, six seed like they were last year. I think, you know, there'd be more around like a play in team, if anything, or on that, you know, eight, seven, maybe even like 10 seed, nine seed. Uh, and it, it's going to be all on, like you mentioned, Mikal Bridges' shoulders. I mean, he's, he's their guy. They also have Ben Simmons, who, you know, has been an all-NBA type of player, but we haven't seen that from him in, you know, three, four years now at this point. So, you know, they have possibly something with him, but it's, you know, it's it's a long shot. Um, You know, they've been rumored to be in the, the Damian Lillard sweepstakes. I know he, him and Mikal Bridges have a good, you know, repertoire or whatever. Uh, they they like each other. They got good chemistry. So, you know, he and Damian Lillard has expressed that, you know, he would like to play with Mikal Bridges. So, you know, that's maybe a possibility. And if that happens, I think, you know, there's a lot more buzz surrounding that team. But, you know, just based off their offseason moves, I think, you know, they made a lot of small moves, but, you know, good ones. They, they got a bunch of rookies, uh, Noah Clowney, Derek Whitehead and Jalen Wilson. Uh, Resigned Cam Johnson, which was huge for, for them. I know he had a bunch of suitors from other teams. Uh, they traded away Patty Mills, so got rid of some of the veterans, but also brought in, you know, guys like Darius Baisley, Dennis Smith Jr., you know, kind of just like flyers on guys to see if, you know, they can uh, they can ever pan out. So, yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on, you know, their offseason and kind of what moves they've made? Yeah, I mean, I think they had a relatively good offseason, you know, for what they could have done. You know, they acquired all those picks, you know, being able to trade away uh, Durant, Harden, Kyrie, all that. So, they they were able to draft, like you said, Noah Clowney, Dariq Whitehead, and Jalen Wilson. I think, you know, Clowney, a big man. I don't know too much about him. However, with Dariq Whitehead and Jalen Wilson, they're uh, both wings. Dariq Whitehead was, a you know, an elite prospect going to Duke. He didn't really play as much this year, uh, injuries and whatnot. But Jalen Wilson was a superstar at Kansas, uh, won a national championship. He showed up in that national championship run. So that's kind of a guy who at least you from, from his college playing days, like, you know, he can be something in a, in a, in the big moment that that's kind of cool for them to add to a team full of guys who are like, I don't want to say like, they don't fit. It's not that they don't fit in, but like, it's just, they're all bought in and none of that. They're all just cool individual pieces that don't necessarily like like create this like winning team. However, it's a fun team to watch similar to like that Brooklyn Nets team when they had D'Angelo Russell's set like several years back, it was just a team of misfits that happened to be bought into a situation. They were an exciting playoff team, first round exit, but exciting. Like, and that's kind of what I see this Nets team being for however long until either Mikal Bridges surges into a true top, you know, elite, all NBA caliber player, or if they are able to trade for a Damian Lillard or, you know, someone of that caliber. So I think that's kind of where the nets are at right now. Uh, they'll be, you know, around 500, I imagine maybe a little bit below it, a play in team. Uh, but again, super exciting, fun to watch and a lot of just intriguing talent. Uh, let's move on to the Raptors, the last team in this division, uh, the Canada team, they were 41 and 41. They, uh, you know, they've had a wild ride in the last four or five years or so, you know, they've won a championship with Kawhi Leonard. They've been, you know, a top team in the East to a team that hasn't, you know, that didn't even make the playoffs this year with relatively the same core of guys outside of Kawhi Leonard. Uh, 
they uh, Hurst they officially depart uh, let Fred Van Vliet depart. Uh, he's in San Antonio or San Antonio now, right? Houston. Houston. Sorry, yeah, sorry. He's in Houston now. Um, so you know that's going to be pretty big for them to officially kind of let go of this core and start to head into a new direction. Is this new direction something that, you know, Raptors fans should be excited about or something that you as just an NBA fan are excited about? Yeah. You know, I think what they've done is pretty interesting. I I honestly kind of would have liked to see them move Pascal Siakam this off season as well, whether that be to, you know, the Pelicans who were in talks or the, you know, the trailblazers at that time were in talks with, you know, maybe moving some picks to get Pascal and going all in with Dame again. Um, I think, you know, that would have been a little bit more interesting because I still think, you know, they're in the same situation where, you know, Pascal and Scotty Barnes are probably their two best players and they still play very similarly um, out on the court together. But, you know, they made some good signings in the offseason as well. You know, they they replaced Fred Van Vliet with Dennis Schroeder, who's, you know, been been a pretty productive player throughout his career. Nothing special, but you know, a solid, a solid, you know, starting point guard, you know, he can come off the bench, he can start, he'll give you some buckets. Uh, and they got, you know, Will Barton as well. They also signed Jalen McDaniels, who's an, you know, a super athletic, you know, wing, he's long, but again, you know, pretty similar to Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam and, you know, the way that they like to build their team with those long, you know, six nine, six ten ball, ball handling, you know, wings. Uh, and then they also drafted, you know, Grady Dick, who's the 13th pick out of Kansas, you know, he, he, he's, you know, an interesting prospect and, you know, as someone who went to Kansas kind of, what are your thoughts on Grady Dick going to, going to the Raptors? I mean, Grady Dick was, he's an excellent shooter. I mean, he's a, he got really good NBA size. He's a good athlete. Uh, and you know, he's just one, he's just one of those guys who is just like a really, really ideal NBA prospect. He fits in with, you know, what the NBA is kind of trending towards being a, a you know, a, a, uh, a bigger bodied shooter like he's six six and uh what he shot 40 percent from three last year in college so i mean he's a really i'd like to say i like to call it a safe pick with just how you know with just how everything goes nowadays i mean you know he's gonna come into the league with that natural shooting ability and if he can you know develop his playmaking or his defense it's gonna elevate his game to a whole new level and i think you know you were just talking about how you know, Pascal Siakam is someone who, you know, we're kind of uncertain where his future lies, whether it's in Toronto or on another team. I think that, you know, if the Rockets or the Raptors, sorry, if the Raptors really wanted to move forward with, you know, the team they have, they should build it around Scotty Barnes. They should build it around Grady Dick uh, and, you know, wait and see with OG Ananobi. That's another guy that they have at the wing who's, you know, been in trade rumors before. I mean, you have a lot of valuable pieces on the roster, right? I mean, yeah, they still got Gary Trent as well. So he's yeah, like they all, and they're all and they're all wings, which is like the biggest issue. They all play relatively similar positions, so you got to clear up the court so Scotty Barnes can continue his development because we don't want another year of him, you know, essentially putting up the exact same stats as his rookie year. We want to see him become an All Star, being a Rookie of the Year kind of guy. So that's really really big for the Raptors. Uh. Another thing we didn't mention with them, they let go of Nick Nurse. Uh, that was that's pretty big. He, he's been their guy. He won them a championship, and then yeah, that's been kind of up and down with him. But they brought in Darko Rajakovic. Red, I I just butchered his name. I'm sorry, but 
he's the new head coach. Hirsch, I know you mentioned to me earlier, he's in some scandals already. That's probably not a great look, you know, being a head coach, right? Like your first time and you're already kind of in some stuff. So going to be interesting to see, you know, how his style like works with Scotty Barnes, with Grady Dick, with Gary Trent, OG Pascal. I mean, it's a really, really versatile team and a team full of guys that are like really good athletes and relatively exciting to watch. I mean, they're all explosive and it's a cool, it's a cool team. And I, I would be, I think that if, you know, Hirsch, I mean, you, I'm sure you agree that the Raptors moving forward, they need to move Pascal Siakam to really, really explore what they have in Scotty Barnes, Grady Dick, et cetera. Yeah, you know, I yeah, I completely agree. I think, you know, getting rid of Fred Van Vliet kind of already put them on that path of, you know, moving on from a lot of their, you know, big veteran pieces. But like you mentioned, you know, with their new coach being brought in and immediately, you know, the team is being sued by the New York Knicks for stealing team intel. Uh, you know, that could put him at risk already, you know, a month or so heading into the season. So, you know, the Raptors might have just signed a head coach and, you know, may have to terminate him before the beginning of next season. Uh, you know, Steve and I don't really know too much about the about the scandal or, you know, what's in the weeds, the details, you know, what could really happen, but it it really doesn't sound good. Um, and it's not every day that you see, you know, one team suing another team uh, in the NBA. That's, you know, it's a pretty rare thing. So, you know, just keep your eye on that. The Raptors may be in some deep water uh, with their head coach and, you know, may have to maybe on the market looking for a new one after they just signed one. Uh, I've heard from some sources. So, you know, that that, you know, could be a huge storyline actually with them heading into next season for sure. Absolutely. So just to wrap up, um, do you want to just give us like, uh, just give our rankings of, you know, like the order of how the division is basically going to finish or how we think it's going to finish, uh, when the 23, 24 season concludes heading into playoffs. Uh, I mean, I think number one, the Celtics are going to repeat as the Atlantic division, you know, front runners. I think they are going to be similar to what they were. You know, even if the departure of smart is that detrimental, I think the talent is just is overwhelming in comparison to the rest of these teams in this division. Uh, Hirsch at number two, who do you who would you want to put at number two? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I kind of agree. The Celtics would be number one. But I, I, I could see this entire division as a whole actually taking a, a massive step back, especially yeah. with the Nets. I don't I don't really think their record's going to you know be how good as good as it was. And same with the Sixers. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot closer with the Sixers and the Knicks than it was last year, uh, games-wise. And it was only really like a seven-game difference between them last year. Uh, but with the James Harden stuff, I just it's really tough to see like where the Sixers are going to be next year. Mm-hmm. And I think just because they have Embiid on their team right now, I think I like you have to put them as the again to finish second in this division as a playoff caliber team, top five, top four team just having him beat is really big. It's just a matter of, you know, can they actually make some noise in the playoffs if they can't surround him beat with the help? Uh, I want to say that the third team is going to be the Raptors. Actually, if they can kind of, you know, get past this whole scandal and, you know, work their way through it. I think the talent is there. We've seen them be one of the elite teams in the Eastern conference before, and maybe a new coach is kind of what they needed to kind of just reset everything for them and, get kind of going, get back on the right track. So 
I think they're going to be the third finishing team. Fourth, I think, is going to be the Knicks. I think that at the end of the day, they're just more talented than the Nets. I think that they're more like their team is just their culture is more set and established. The Nets, again, are a team of guys. They, it, they're, st- they're still trying to figure out what their identity is. You know, like they, they don't know. They don't know if Mikhail Bridges is a legitimate superstar, if he's just a, like a number two, number three guy. So I think that kind of wraps it up. It's going to I think it goes Celtics. It goes Sixers, Raptors, Knicks, Nets. Yeah, you know, I can, you know, for the most part, agree with that. I think this is a tough division to rank, especially with, you know, the moves that have been made. And especially, again, with the James Harden stuff, it's it's really going to be like the number one storyline. And, you know, Damian Lillard. I mean, those guys have not been dealt yet. And they both are like officially requested trades in July, which means that they've, you know, been sitting on a trade request for over a month now. So, well, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with both of those guys. But I think, you know, the, that's the biggest, you know, news heading into next year for sure but uh you know that's going to be it for today's episode of the bucks and six podcast make sure to leave a like download subscribe and follow us on both twitter and instagram at bucks and six ffsn uh like steve mentioned earlier we are no longer on facebook so just check out our own personal facebooks i'm hershey winkleman he's steven dorf and let's go bucks